Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Digital Killed the Radio Star podcast. I'm David, here along with Chris. How you doing, Chris? I'm well. You? Pretty good. Pretty good. Before we get started, just want to remind everyone to follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed, on Instagram at Digital Killed the Radio Star, and like us on Facebook at Digital Killed the Radio Star podcast. And the easiest thing to do, if you just go to SoundCloud and follow us, you'll get an update every time we post a new episode. Um, we're a few episodes in. Um, we like the way it's going. We've gotten good feedback on it. And this is going to be a show that Chris and I had, a, when we originally started kicking around ideas for shows, this is one that he came up with. So I'm gonna let, Chris, I'm going to let you talk about why you chose it and then lead us off. Well, I, I, I decided to do album covers you know just to where we could come up with our top 10 album covers and i remember they did this there was a vh1 show that i used to love it was i guess late 90s early early two, maybe in 2000 2001 probably went about three or four years they did it was called the list and they would put together their top list and one of them was album covers and i always thought that was a cool idea and then just with album covers it takes me back to when i was a kid and i loved seeing the album cover i you know, sometimes that could just grab your attention and you almost bought an album because of it. Like I remember Scott Ian of Anthrax saying he bought the first Iron Maiden record never hearing a note. He saw what became Eddie on that front cover and he had to have it. And so I think it's just kind of a lost art these days. You know, people don't appreciate it anymore because everything's digital. And I still am just a, a sucker for a cool album cover. Well, and now that vinyl's making a comeback, one of the pros for buying vinyl is the album cover yeah and large large scale too large scale album cover and um that's one of the reasons that we're going to do this podcast because vinyl is making a comeback and people are paying more attention to album covers so we're just going to go over some of our favorite album covers and we'll let chris lead that off for us okay first one everybody's going to know it's a it's a beatles record but it's not the one you think everybody would think i'd do sergeant peppers which is a cool cover but to me, it's Abbey Road. I love that cover. And even if I didn't know like a little story that's kind of come behind it, which I will tell just in just a moment, I just love, I love that crystal, perfect clear day, these four guys just walking a crosswalk, perfect unison, like they're marching across the street. I, I just always thought it was a great, great cover. Correct me if I'm wrong, you've actually been there, correct? I have, I've got a picture of myself walking it. That's what I thought. Yeah, and the story on this one, just if you look at this, uh, the you know, people have talked about for years this old legend, wise tale, whatever that uh, I don't know if I call it wise tale. It's pretty stupid, but that Paul McCartney died in a car wreck, and they got a replacement that looked and sounded just like him, and um, and the Beatles were kind of known for toying around with that. They made, even made mentions in songs, but on this cover, John Lennon is leading. And he's in all white, and he's got the long hair, the long beard. And people have said on that cover, he represents John. He re represents Jesus Christ. And then behind him, you've got Ringo in a nice full suit. He represents the pallbearer. And then behind him is Paul McCartney walking across the street, suit, no shoes. He represents, I mean, it's representing Paul McCartney has died. And then the very end is in all denim. George Harrison, who represents the Grave Digger. So I always just thought that was kind of cool. I never knew that until we went to lunch beforehand and you were explaining that to me. It's definitely one of the most iconic albums. I mean, 
people that aren't even music fans know that's the Beatles when they see that. Yeah, and I've seen people have tattoos. And I'm not talking just on TV. I've seen people out in public that have the tattoos. And it, it's just, it seems to be, it's that or Sgt. Pepper's that people love. And they're both great covers. All right, so you've since you've actually been there, I'm envisioning it basically just being in the middle of a neighborhood. Yeah, and it's tough to find because there's a few crosswalks. And you've got to, it, it takes, you got to be a little bit careful. So, and it is across from Abbey Road, you know, Abbey Road Studios, but... It's still, you can kind of confuse it with a couple others until you finally are able to pinpoint. That's it. I mean, I actually had to pull it up on my phone and look. Probably one of the two or three most iconic album covers there are. I yeah, think. yeah, definitely. Everybody knows who that is. My first album is going to be one it's kind of out of left field. Skid Row, Slave to the Grind. That's a cool cover. Yeah, it, it you know at first at first glance it looks almost like something out of like Dante's Inferno or whatever you know there's this you're in this dark underworld and it's taken you know there there some people who look like they're about to be hurt ganged up on but if you pay close attention to it one of the guys is in a suit like a modern day suit so it's supposed to kind of represent you know corporate America um, at the time. Um, you know, you could look at it as either, you know, corporate America is getting beat down or people are getting beat down by corporate America, you know, slave to the grind. Mm-hmm. You know? The album, um, the album cover is actually designed by Sebastian Bach's father. Yeah, he painted it, didn't he? Yeah. And so if you think about Skid Row, the first album, you look at that album cover, you probably go, they're probably glam. And obviously with this album, their transition... There's nothing glam about Slave to the Grind. That's a straight-up heavy metal album. And, yeah, they were really into Pantera at the time. I right. Touring and, with them and all. And so, you know, this album just has a little more of an ominous tone, I guess, to go with the music direction that they were going in. Well, and see, that's when, when we talk about these album covers, that's what I like is a lot of times, and it will be the case on some of the albums that, that we both pick, but the cover kind of represents what's recorded. You know, it kind of fits a theme. And that's a good example. It does kind of fit that. For my next one, talking about fitting themes, um, I went with The Clash, London Calling. You don't get much more iconic than this. And it's, The Clash was all about, you know, political angst, rebellion, and what better on the cover than smashing a guitar. And that, to me, is just so cool. And then you even got the font, I like on the side, where it's kind of like Elvis's first record. But, yeah, just always been a big fan of that. Well, I'll scratch that one off the list. I had that one as well. I'm not a huge Clash fan. Obviously, the songs that I know off of that are London Calling. And, you know, the, my knowledge of the Clash basically extends to what you hear on the radio. But it is one of the, when you think of, you no. Know, you think of late, it's late 70s, right? So that's like, technically, that's like 79. Yeah. A lot of people, I think, confuse The Clash with being an 80s band, but that's, that's actually in the 70s. Well, yeah, people think of, you know, because they know Rockin' the Cast Ball, maybe Train in Vain, um, which, by the way, it, it, you're not as familiar. At least go back and listen to Death or Glory. You know, don't just go with London Calling. Death or Glory is one of the greatest punk songs. My next album is going to be Injustice for All by Metallica. Um, talking about fitting the concept of the album you have Lady Justice she's been bound by ropes and the scales are tipping in favor of you know a big pile of money and this is basically a politically al- a political album by Metallica about greed and corruption 
and you know an injustice to um, those who can't fight for themselves. So it definitely goes along with the theme of the album. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool cover. Um, one of Metallica's better sell- selling albums. I'm sure you've seen it. So we'll go with back to you, Chris, on another one for you. All right, now this one, <laughs> this one definitely fits the music. Pantera, vulgar display of power. Everybody pretty much knows this band. They know this name. But if you're not really a metal person and you just like to check out different music podcasts and you like to hear people talk, this album cover, so you're maybe not familiar with the cover, but the cover is a guy getting punched in the face. And it is like in motion. And it looks like a pretty hard punch, by the way. And it fits the title, you know, Forward Display of Power, and it fits the music. The music on this album is so heavy it's just a brutal brutal album and to have that as the cover you can't get much more fitting and I think I remember on an episode of that metal show I think that is a guy actually getting punched I think you're right I think I've heard that I think I remember you talking about I've been talking about that and I think he was punched more than one time man who signed up for that and it probably I hope did, they paid him well <laughs> probably did it for a case of beer yeah case of beer and 20 bucks maybe right right maybe a joint yeah my next album is, in my opinion, is the most iconic album cover of all time. It's Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Simple as it gets, but man, uh, last night, my wife is not a big music fan. She's more of a pop music fan. And I was discussing this with her, and I just showed her the album. And I said, who is this? She goes, oh, that's Pink Floyd. And it was, I'm, I'm going to go off script here a little bit it was the album cover was designed by a, two people they went by the name Hypnosis and Storm Thurgensen is the was the driving creative force behind that and he went on to do I think all of the Pink Floyd albums and Pink Floyd they're very famous for their album covers there's numerous Pink Floyd covers I could have picked so I was just going to go over tell you how important they were they did albums for Pink Floyd, T-Rex, UFO, Bad Company, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, Scorpions, Yes, Def Leppard, Paul McCartney, Genesis, Peter Gabriel, The Police, Rainbow, um, Sticks. Um, some of their more famous ones were Houses of the Holy, Led Zeppelin, uh, all the Bad Company albums. And uh, they did Def Leppard High and Dry. Did they do, you mentioned uh, Rainbow. Did they do Rainbow Rising? Do you know if they did that one? I don't specifically have the, the actual albums they did for Rainbow. I picked out some from, they, they that it listed the actual album name. So I don't. Yeah, because I, I asked that question because Rainbow, Rainbow Rising was actually one I thought about putting in there. Really? Yeah, just cool. You know, that one has that huge fist holding a rainbow. Well, you know, if you think of those Scorpions albums from the '70s, like Love Drive and Animal Magnetism, mm-hmm. that was all of the all of them. The interesting thing about them, when they were approached by an artist to design an album cover, they did not charge a set fee. They told the artist to pay them what they thought it was worth. Oh wow! So you look on those albums. If they just said, "I want to," I want to, you know. 1% cut on the back end, they had to have lost a lot of money. Um, but they actually submitted um, seven album covers for Dark Side of the Moon, and the band on first vote unanimously all picked this one. And it's the prism with the 
Colors of the Rainbow yeah, coming through it. Yeah, very familiar, familiar with the album. Oh, it, it, you're right. It's an iconic cover. And I mean, I, can, I really appreciate the simplicity of it. You know, and it is one that, like you said, anybody, if they, if they even know what music is, they probably know that album cover. Right, especially if you think of '70s music, that's the one that comes comes to mind. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna stay on the metal for a moment, and I gotta go with Iron Maiden Killers. This is this is you know Eddie has been you know their their mascot Eddie has been on every one of their covers. Well, this is the one that you still see everywhere. It's the one where you know he's he's holding. A hatchet in his hand. It's dripping blood. It's, you know, it looks like it's the, his son's just come down. He's on the prowl at night, just stalking. And yeah, I mean, it's it's my. I, I, honestly, I could have picked two or three Iron Maiden covers because they always have the best artwork. You know, I'm thinking of, you know, their comeback album that they did. I don't know why it's a Brave New World, which was a great cover. Had Eddie as a cloud overlooking London. Um, I don't know. I just, I just always loved Eddie as a mascot, so I had to put it on there. And of course, the, you've got again, he's holding the hatchet, and then you've got hands on Eddie, basically just, you know, as they're, I guess, falling to the ground because obviously been, you know, hatcheted away, Eddie. I'm not a big Iron Maiden fan, but I've almost purchased that album based on the album cover. Yeah, I mean, it's that's and that's why that's why we're doing this topic because. I talked about Scott Ian. This was their second one. I talked about Scott Ian buying an Iron Maiden one, an album, the first Iron Maiden, solely based on the cover. And that's the cool thing about covers. That's why I say it's a lost art. It's It did draw you in, especially when you were like Scott Ian as a kid being drawn in. We've talked, I remember you telling a story about buying Steelheart because of the cover. And I remember you said you thought it was going to be a super heavy band and right. they're pretty, pretty not glam. Heavy. Not heavy. But anyway, it's it's one of the beauties of album artwork. So anyway, Iron Maiden Killers. My next album is going to be Yield by Pearl Jam. Um, it's their, I think it was their fifth yeah, album. Yeah, the, the Yield Sign. Yield right. Sign. And it was taken um, it was taken on a in a back road outside of Billings, Montana. And if you open it up, the Yield Sign is actually sitting in the middle of the ocean. And so their thought was, how cool would it be to have a yield sign where there's nothing to yield to? Um, and I kind of think there may have been some subliminal messaging with this album cover. This is when they were coming out of their fight with Ticketmaster. Yeah. And this is a very more positive, upbeat album than, let's say, the previous album, No Code. And I kind of just think it's them going, we give up. We can't. We tried to fight this. We're just going to yield to it, and that's the way it's going to be. But it's one of my fa- one of my favorite favorite albums. And like I said, you open it up, the yield sign is just in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, and I I have that. I have to go back and look at it. I remember I immediately could picture the you know you got the black bar on the top of each, uh, the bottom and in the top, the black bar going across, and I see that yield sign. I got to go back and open that up and take a look at it again. It's been a while. Okay, my next one. A lot of people are not going to be familiar with it, but um, Mike Ness is the singer of Social Distortion. And he did a solo album called Cheating at Solitaire. And it is, first of all, I got to give it, I got to promote this album because it is 
absolutely brilliant. It's not, it's more of a rock, you know, rockabilly country album. And um, it's just kind of like, you know, a tribute to his heroes. But the cover of the album is Mike Ness with his head down over, with his guitar in his lap and his, his hands on the guitar and his head leaning over it. And you can just see the tattoos on his knuckles that read love. And I just think it, it, it's part, a perfect cover for this album. And another thing I like about it is the track listing on the side of it. Looks like the albums you saw in the 50s. And it's kind of taking you back. This album kind of takes you back to a different time, a different sound of music, the stand-up bass, all of that that entails. Again, I know not many people are going to know it, but it's a great cover and a great album. Mike Ness, Cheating at Solitaire. To be honest with you, it's the first time I've ever seen it. I, I knew it was going to be different. I knew of people, but I remember when I've, I'm a huge fan of his, so I bought it you know, as soon as it came out. And I remember thinking, wow, that's a cool cover. All right, let me – I like the band Social Distortion, but I'm not as well-versed in their history. Mm -hmm. Was this at a time when this album came out that he had kind of cleaned up his act a little bit? Well, he had been clean for many years, you know, before. he his The 80s is when he was – they released Mommy's Little Monster, their first one, and he was a bad heroin addict. And um, he ended up going to jail – got cleaned up and it's why it took from I think that came out in 82 and I don't think Prison Bound came out until 88 so it was all that time in between where he was just a mess and this was I want to say around 99 when this one came out so he'd been clean for many years okay, well, the reason I asked that is you know the way he's depicted on the front of it, it's not the most punk thing no and I, I just wondered it's if so it's not a punk you know, kind of him changing you know having a, a lifestyle change and that being it may be it may be but it's it's just um I don't know. I just like the way that it's that classic, like a, like I said, like a, an album cover of yesteryear. You know that our parents were buying. Right. It looks. It's themed kind of like that. And then also too, if you look on this guitar, and I'm showing this guitar to him, by the way, people. If you look at it, you can see that J. It's a Johnny Cash signature. That's on that. And when you look at the back, you can see it more on there. But um, yeah, on the on the back it shows, and he's got an aut this guitar is autographed by both Johnny Cash and Buck Owens. Um, he covers Johnny Cash on this. He uh, he covers Hank Williams. But anyway, it's a good album. You know, now that you say that it's kind of an homage to the 50s, it does look like, take his picture off, but the way the, the album the album title and the song title is yeah, there, absolutely. it looks like a doo-wop album. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you can look at the back too. It's a classic car right. on the back that he's leaning against. It looks like a car from 40s or 50s that he's leaning against. My next album is going to be one that um, a band maybe a lot of you aren't real familiar with. I know Chris knows who they are. I don't think he's a big fan of, but it's uh, Drive By Truckers, their album Southern Rock Opera. And all of their album art, except for their last album, are, is paintings are from a guy by the name of Wes Freed. And I could have picked any of their albums almost as favorite album covers because the, the paintings are so good. And if you're not familiar, this album it's about partially about Leonard Skinner, partially about them growing up in the South, being fans of arena rock and the tragedies that come to rock stars and specifically Leonard Skinner. And they have a song called Highway 72, This Highway's Mean. And the album art is basically a, a, a crooked road with um, Highway 72 on the side and then just a 
I think it's a black bat flying over the road, I guess, to signify bad luck. Like I said, if, if you're not familiar with Drive-By Truckers, all their albums have Wes Freed's paintings on them, except they're the one that just came out, which is actually a photo. Well, I actually do like them. I know you didn't think I really did, but I do like them. I'm not just a huge fan like you and some other friends are. And I do have that album. And uh, yeah, I've noticed all their albums. I haven't seen the new one, but I noticed all of them have really good artwork paintings. And he does um, he does all of their concert uh, posters as well. And there's a documentary that came out a couple of years ago. I can't remember the name of it, but it's about them. And he's a big part of the documentary because he's just so intertwined. Um, with them like I said he does you know every all of their album covers all right well I guess it's my turn I'm gonna go with um, Motley Crue shout at the devil um, it's it's simple you know it's just their four pictures but it was that look of theirs where they were they had the phase where they the shout at the devil days where they were going with more of the evil the pentagrams uh, almost trying to put out that, that image that they were satanic and it just, you know, the, the flames behind Mick Mars. He looks so evil in that picture. Nicky with the, you know, the trademark of black lines under his eyes. It just, I don't know. I always thought that was so cool. And it does, again, we're talking about fitting a feel of an album. It it fits that period for them. It's a glammed up attempt to look bad. Yeah. Yeah, but they do. I mean, they definitely look a little bit. They don't look like poison. Let's just say that. It right. looks a little tougher. That's for sure, but yeah, I, I I think that's their best album cover, and this is one of mine that a lot of people would pick up and probably don't even understand why I think that's this is such a cool cover. It's you can tell it's nineteen with eighty two, eighty three that came out. Yeah, right. Yeah, eighty three. I think I'm not sure, but anyway. Well, my next album that I'm gonna um, have is actually a live album by Pink Floyd called Pulse. And, you know, Pink Floyd is known as being the original space rock band, you know, that a lot of their, the myth is that a lot of their songs are about space and they're really not. Some of their songs are just so, the the meaning is, the meanings of them are just so kind of out there that, you know, people refer to them as space rock. The interesting thing about this album, it's a double album and it actually, the album comes in a booklet that slides inside of a, I guess for lack of a better term, a sleeve. And the outside of that sleeve had a blinking red light on it. I remember that. And it was actually powered by a AA battery. And I had one of the original ones. Now, if you buy it, it doesn't have the battery in it. I bought that when it came out, which would have been 95 or 96. And I think it blinked all the way until like 2004. And when would it blink? Was it-, it, it was where you had the... the the you booklet slid in, so it was on the the side of the album, and it would just it just constantly would blink. And it did that for years without years. changing the battery. Yes. Will it still work now with a new battery? I don't have the I don't have the original one that I had that I oh, okay. that I have. Oh man, that's gotta suck. Right, but I mean, I, I remember it, it in my my room in the fraternity house when you turn the lights off, you had this blinking, you know, you had the blinking red light and. It kind of, you know, the image is of different worlds kind of on top of each other. And so it kind of plays into the space rock um, concept that, that they go for at times. But main thing is 
the blinking red light. I mean, it's I've never heard of that. Well, it's, it's a cool original. Idea. It's a good marketing ploy, and I'm sure there are a lot of people that stared at that blinking red light for other reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People that bought Pink Floyd records uh, that were really into them, they they kind of like their substances. Right, and like I said, I could have picked Wish You Were Here. I could have picked The Wall, uh, Animals. Animals is a great one. Right, Animals a great cover. is a great one. Um, their Metal was a great album cover, but those are the Pulse and Dark Side of the Moon. I went with mainly for Dark Side of the Moon, how iconic it is, and Pink Floyd Pulse was just, it's unique. Never been anything else like it, so. All right, well, my my next one is uh, a lot of people, I mean, if there are any music junkies out there, they probably know this band, but if you're just a mild fan of music, you don't know it. It's a band called My Bloody Valentine. And they're not metal. It sounds like they would be with a name like that. It's, you know, I think except for one track, which has a, a, a guy on vocals, it's a female singer. And it's very, very noisy, distorted. It's just kind of a jumbled mess of sounds. It's a cool album. They're a very underground, legendary band. But the cover is kind of pink and black. And it's a guitar. Almost kind of, you can't really make out what it is. It almost looks like a... Almost looks like the God. What is that? That Fender that Kurt Cobain played. I can't even think of. Kind of looks like that style guitar, and it's a very distorted image of a hand strumming the guitar. And when I talk about album covers fitting a theme, this kind of does. I mean, this this picture looks the way the album sounds: noisy, confusion, just. I since the very first time I saw this cover, I was like, man, that is cool. That you bring them up. Have you ever heard of the term shoegaze? No. I had not either until a band called Nothing that someone recommended I listen to, which I like. And basically, they're, you know, a lot of their stuff is um, sounds like My Bloody Valentine. And I never had heard of that. Basically, the meaning is these guys just stare down and look at their shoe and play. But I've heard of My Bloody Valentine, and it wasn't until... I heard of the band Nothing that I started looking up Shoegaze and everything went back to, you know, that song, that album. So these are kind of like forefathers of that type. They're considered the that type of music. The godfathers of it. Now, didn't they go like 20 years in between putting out an album? Yeah, I think they only put out, they put out an album and I want to say it was an EP that they put out as well. But this is the one. This is called, this album, by the way. I didn't say the title. The title is Loveless. I didn't think to say the title because it's not on the cover. It's on this, but the album is, this one is Loveless. We'll go on to my next album, which is um, actually my favorite album of all time, The Black Crow's Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. And if you look at this album cover, it may not interest you when you first look at it. It looks like a band standing in like a, a junkyard or, or something like that. It's black and white, and it's you know all the members of the band – are standing there and it's really a um, a subtle attempt I think to look like the band the band the band's second album and if you go look at the band's second album and look at this it's basically the same thing and I think you, you have the Black Crows at this time are coming off Shake Your Money Maker which we've talked about on a previous episode and they're trying to shake that southern rock image and they've shaken 
shaken a lot of that off, and this is starting to show the direction that they're going to go in, in which they do become more of a band. And so it's basically just a ripoff of the band's second album. But to me, that album cover looks like, I mean, they may have been trying to shake it, but that album looks like Southern Rock to me. Right, but what I was getting to was they were trying, they're they're becoming more of a quote-unquote band now. You know, everybody's contributing. They've gotten rid of Jeff Cease on guitar. They've gotten Mark Ford, who's going to go on to just great things with them. And so anyway, it's a ripoff of the band's second album, but it's my favorite album of all time, and so I was going to throw it in there. Okay. My next one, I went with uh, the Beastie Boys, Check Your Head. This is, uh, I don't know, it's a cool cover. It's you know black and white cover, the three guys just sitting on a curb. And, you know, this was one where they, this was the one where they really first started playing some instruments on. Um, and they're sitting here with, you know, guitar cases, side of the road, just just something about it just stands out to me. And actually that show, I told you about VH1, The List. This was, uh, I remember this was one of the guys' choices on there. I actually almost picked um, License to Ill. That's a great cover, too. They have great albums, album covers. Paul's Boutique is, you know, a legendary one of theirs. And then what was the one with Sabotage on? That's License to Ill. That's Ill Communication. Ill Communication, yeah. Yeah, they had really good album covers. And the uh, the License to Ill, of course, what, what makes that so great is uh, I can still remember when I was a, a kid and my mom didn't know much about them. But she, oh, she heard about them once they came to Memphis and they got banned because the show was so dirty. And um, so she heard about this album that I had and she went and she did hold it up to the mirror. I didn't know what this meant at the time. I mean, geez, I was probably 10 years old. And what I'm referring to, people, if you don't know, get the Beastie Boys license deal, put it up to the, the mirror, and you'll see that the little number and letters on the, uh, on the tail wing say, Eat Me. <laughs> So, true story. I didn't know that. Yeah. Did yeah, not. so my mom actually did that test, and I, I, needless to say, I didn't get my cassette tape back. You know, some of the bands in the 80s really didn't do kids any favors with stuff like that. No. Like I said, the salesman wouldn't sell my mom Van Halen 1984 because said it wasn't an album. But that's a great album cover. It was on my list. I considered that one. Absolutely considered that one. Definitely. One of the, one of the more popular ones from the 80s. My next album is going to be... Uh, Kind of the breakthrough to to the mainstream for Megadeth, Countdown to Extinction. Cool cover. Cool cover. It's got an old man just being kind of held up. And the, the thing that drawn me, really drew me to it was the way Countdown to Extinction is, is spelled out kind of, in, I guess, almost in like chrome letters. It's kind of a polished look. And they definitely got a little more polished on this album as far as their sound and their songwriting. And like I said on a previous episode, um, I was not a huge Megadeth fan, you know, in the early '90s, but I almost bought the album based strictly off the album, uh, off the album cover. Going on there, I, I, I like Megadeth now. I have most of their albums, but um, it's one that it's my favorite album cover of theirs. And they're another band that's had great, great covers. I mean, that one's good, but Rust in Peace is awesome, awesome cover. And I like the one too. The the system has failed. Well, the new one, Dystopia. You're is, right. That is, is cool. It's a good album cover. And surprisingly enough, Great, yeah, Grammy winner, Grammy winner. But they played Master of Puppets when they were walking to the stage overhead. That's not, oh my god! <laughs> the Grammys blew it with. We'll talk about this on a later episode, but they really kind of blew it with Metallica this year. Um, Chris, what's your next album? My next one, since you did your favorite album of time, uh, favorite album of all time. This one is probably my favorite album of all time. 
It's um, the Afghan Whigs, gentlemen. Afghan Whigs, uh, they've recently got back together, though it's just uh, Greg Dooley and um, John Conley, the bassist. But um, anyway, this album, it's a... Uh, it was a pic. There was a picture that you know Greg Dooley was a big fan of by a photographer, and it's called Nan, Nan and Brian in Bed, New York City. And it's got a guy sitting on the edge of the bed, smoking a cigarette, and the girl's laying in bed. And it's kind of like what Dooley was talking about. It just you see into their lives in that picture, and he was captivated by that image, and so he thought that what he saw on that cover. This is a quote he said. He said, I just remember thinking that the body language depicted in the photo is learned behavior that starts when we are children. And that's why I substituted the children for the adults. I think you lose innocence as soon as you pop out. You're in it now. You're safe in there. It's not that you don't experience beauty here, but especially in my nihilistic late 20s, I had a bit more of a pessimistic view of the hue of human nature and relationships, although that really hasn't changed much. That's a quote from Greg Dooley. And this album is, when he's talking about the body language, just uh, learned behavior and all. And this this album is basically talking about, let's just say this, Greg Dooley, he's a mess on this album. He is an absolute mess, terrible with relationships, everything. And the cover of it is almost like two little kids playing adults, and it just looks like... It's disturbing. It is, it is disturbing, but once you see the meaning behind it and what he was doing, it does just kind of show you that... Like I said, it's almost like born behavior, and it just showed the picture's worth a thousand words. You just can see everything in this picture of not getting along, all the problems. And again, I just think it kind of fits this album so much. And it, again, yes, it is disturbing because it's two children. Um, it makes sense now that you've explained it, but upon first view, you're like, this is a little, a little disturbing. I remember seeing it when the album came out back in the 90s, and I, I kind of thought, same thing. It's like, man, that's a, that is a disturbing cover. But but yeah, once I, I saw that it actually comes from an artist that he was a big fan of, and him just saying, hey, that was just what what you're seeing in that that picture. It's learned behavior that we have. We have that from the beginning when we're kids. And so he wanted to do it. And it's actually shot at a different angle too. That's the way they change it up. They put kids in it because the the picture, the original picture, it's taken from behind them. Another, and this one is right in the front. So anyway, I just thought I've always thought those. Well, especially since I read this book. Makes me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, yeah. My final album that I'm going to talk about is uh, a band by My Morning Jacket. It's an album by a band called My Morning Jacket. The album is called Circulatile, and it's a black background, and it has what looks almost like a green eye looking at you, but it's actually what's called a magic eye tube. And apparently in the 1930s, with the radio receivers, you would use the tuning eye to help tune a station to its strongest point on the dial. And so when you got to the perfect frequency, the magic tuning eye would be lit up all the way. And so I think it's them saying, hey, you found the right thing. This is good. It's a strong album. And it's just, it's very cool looking. At first, I thought it was just like a green eye. And the more I looked into it, um, found out it's about a magic eye. And so um, Jim James said he came up with it after having LASIK eye surgery. So it's a unique looking cover. I wasn't familiar with this, but I'm looking at it right now. And that is pretty cool, especially hearing the story behind it. And 
you know, again, it's just kind of what we keep talking about with this. Why album covers do mean something. Um, some of them, not so much, you know, like the Beastie Boys sitting on a curb. I don't know what that really means. But it's cool when you see stuff like this and the one with the Afghan wigs. And it just makes you appreciate the artwork so much more. Is that all of the albums that you had? I have one more. One more? Okay. And this one, we kind of touched on this one before when we were we were talking about debut albums. I said this could have been one. And we talked about that cover. Black Sabbath. The debut album, self-titled Black Sabbath. It's creepy as hell. And when you talk about something fitting an album, this is it, buddy. This album is dark. It's evil. In the cover, if you're not familiar, it's an old, it looks like an old, 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 you know, like 1700 house in the background that's abandoned. And you've got sitting in the forefront this lady that's got a greenish tint to her. It looks like a witch. And she doesn't look like somebody I'd like to run into. Mm-mm. I, I mean, it kind of scares me, but it's it's just a cool cover, and that's about it. You know, people try to go over the top with these metal album covers and make them look scary and creepy and all that, and they really just like they look silly in the process. This is legit evil looking. It's scary. I'm 40 years old, and it it creeps me out as much as <laughs> as much as some of the music on the album creeps me out. Like you said, it's definitely a scary album cover that I wouldn't want my children to. If I had children, I wouldn't want them to just sit and stare at that because they're going to have nightmares. No, they night. wouldn't want to either. And like you said, it's it's sim- it's simplistic in nature. Uh, you just look at it and tell that, that's not something. It, but it's just like where I talk about it. It's just like the horror films, you know. It, you think of some of these bands and I don't like a Cannibal Corpse album cover or whatever. And yeah, I do not listen to Cannibal Corpse, but I know their covers. And it's all this gore and just it looks ridiculous. And it's the same thing like these movies, these horror movies these days. They think if they're not showing your intestines, it's not scary. Well, that stuff's ridiculous. It's stupid. And you're doing that because you have no plot. It's the same way with this album cover. It's so simple. They don't need to show anything more. And that's what I love about it. I love the simplicity of it. And it matches the darkness of that album. It could have been the um, film poster for Blair Witch Project. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. But it, and it kind of fits where I say it's just the simplicity of all, just like talking about with horror films. I mean, you don't ever really see blood in Halloween. Right. It wasn't necessary. It's the build-up. Yeah, it wasn't even necessary. And that's kind of what this album that's so simple, and they didn't have to try to go overboard, and they did the perfect cover for this album. It's truly terrifying. Well, since you picked, since we both picked The Clash, I was, there one more I wanted to bring up, and I mentioned on a previous podcast, it really creeped me out when I was young, and that's... Um, Master of Puppets by Metallica. Um, you have the cemetery with the white crosses and then there's strings attached to them. And you have these hands coming yeah. down from above. And if you're not familiar with that song, that song is about drug addiction and how drugs just take over your life and you become a puppet uh, to your puppet master, which is which is drugs. And that's an album cover that's always kind of creeped me out a little bit. If I picked a Metallica album for a cover, that would be it. That's a cool cover, and it's weird how you talk about that. It, you know, it kind of it still creeps you out. We're talking about this Black Sabbath, and I know I'm drifting a little bit, but this is what we do. Um, the music, we talk about the song Black Sabbath, it creeps you out. And I'm like, the song, I swear, every time I hear one, right when that drum that drum beat kicks in, there's nothing else right before 
it just, I don't know, that buildup every time, it's creepy to me. I don't know why it always has been. So my first real experience with Metallica was, I told you, I was on a field trip with uh, um, in school, and I was like 10 or 11 years old, and we're back in the hotel room, this guy's like, man, I've got Metallica Master of Puppets. This is scary stuff. Let's listen to it. But I remember when the video one debuted, and I was watching, it used to be on TBS, it was called Night Tracks, the late night mm-hmm. video show, and it was in the middle of the night, and the video for one came on. I couldn't go to sleep after that, and I'm like, this is the scariest band of all time. It's that drum, it's that drum part that gets me, and then you hear the Hetfield just starts that yelling, you know, landmine, whatever, it's just that, that little drum that every time I hear it's like, oh damn, something's about to go down. Right. But, Maybe uh, we've, Uncovered topic for a future podcast: favorite uh, videos. Yeah, or at this point, even scary, right? Songs. Scary videos. But again, this is just with album covers. It's something that I've always had a, a huge appreciation for. And when we were kicking around ideas, this is something that I said I, I, I'd kind of like to do. This lost form, and you know, I, I think we all instinctively were going to pick albums that we're fans of too. I mean, right? You're not going to pick something you think sucks, and so. I think he probably just got a little bit more into the minds of what we like as music fans, too. Right. The, the only album that I pick that I'm just not a big fan of is London Calling by The Clash, just because it's a cool album cover. And it I, really I, is. And I'm sure there are, there are others that I can pick. And if you ask me to think about this in a week, I'd probably come up with 10 more. But... Um, well, yeah, I mean, there were there were other stuff that I, you know, when I thought about this, just as we wrap up, I mean, I, some of the ones that came to mind for me was, uh, I think, Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run. It's a cool cover. Um, even though it's not the original, but the Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. That's a cool cover. Led Zeppelin 1. Um, even though it's a, it's a, talk about the Afghan Wigs gentleman being disturbing, I think there's something about seeing a baby's penis on the cover of Nevermind that I've never been comfortable with, but it's still, it's a, it's a cool cover. Iconic, iconic Yeah, cover. it's a cool yeah. cover, and especially when you hear that they were shooting that underwater. You know, it was right. Brenda there's their kid that they were doing that. So I thought that was cool. U2, Joshua Tree is another cool album cover. Boy. Yeah. By U2. Yeah, so there's, a, there's and I told you, I had, I had Megadeth, Rust in Peace as one that I was thinking of. So... Yeah, Beatles, Sgt. Pepper. But the White Album. It's yeah, an iconic yeah. one. Yeah. But this is hey, this is one of the reasons, too, that you still, we always talk about buying music. This is one of the things that, you know, it's doesn't seem to be quite appreciated these days. And um, it's one of the perks to continuing to buy. Right. When you, and when you buy that music, open it up, read the liner notes. You never know what mysteries may lie within. Yeah, you don't have to be dorks like us and find out who produced it and all that, or who, you know, what guitar company endorses them. Right. Anyway, this is going to wrap up this episode. Like we said earlier, follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed, Facebook Digital Killed the Radio Star Podcast, and on Instagram at Digital Killed the Radio Star. This is David and Chris, and we're going to wind this episode up, and we will see you next week.